What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Next Big Thing podcast, where we interview the founders and CEOs of crowdfunding startups. Today, we welcome on Katie Thompson, the co-founder and CEO of Square Baby. As a registered dietitian and a mom of two, Katie and her co-founder, Kendall Glynn, knew how critical the first year was for an infant's overall health and how the right food was critical to not only how they developed physically, but also mentally. They were sick of all the fruit-heavy, sugar-laden baby foods disguised as healthy, balanced options and knew they could do better. That's when they founded Square Baby, a company that creates balanced, truly healthy baby food that delivers 100% of a baby's daily servings of fruit, vegetables, proteins, and grains. In addition to her work founding Square Baby, Katie was the first ever nutritionist at Starbucks, where she played a pivotal role in the evolution of their menu, introducing healthier options. Since leaving Starbucks to start Square Baby, she's consulted national brands such as Red Robin and Hilton and startups like NatureBox. You can learn more about her on LinkedIn. Square Baby is currently raising on WeFunder, and the link will be down in the episode description. With that being said, Katie, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Excited to learn about Square Baby, and welcome on the next big thing. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to be able to share the story and excited to share about our crowdfunding campaign. So with that being said, why don't you uh, pull up your slide deck uh, and tell us in the audience a little bit about what Square Baby is all about. Okay, you got it. Hi, I'm Katie Thompson, a mom and a dietitian with a master's in nutrition. And I'm here to tell you that the baby food industry is broken. For far too long, leading brands have prioritized profit over proper nutrition. They've taken shortcuts on quality, ignored heavy metals reports, as well as recent science around food allergy prevention, and they've knowingly misled parents with BS marketing. Did you know that many baby foods have more sugar than a bowl of Lucky Charms? Parents are outraged. They've seen the leading brands knowingly sell meals with toxic levels of heavy metals. And most disappointing, brands are ignoring the science when it comes to food allergy prevention. Seriously, why is it that nearly every baby food brand touts allergen-free when we know and they know that introducing allergens early and often can help prevent food allergies from developing? Babies deserve better and parents deserve a brand they can trust. That's why we created Square Baby, the world's first and only baby food company offering 100% daily nutrition and early allergen introduction. Our fully customizable solution makes 100% daily nutrition 100% easy. Meals are made fresh with organic ingredients and delivered right to your doorstep. They come frozen in a compostable cooler box with dry ice. It's like having a dietitian make all of your meals. We've spent the last few years laser focused on proving the concept, understanding our customer, and building a capital efficient, scalable model. We've recently scaled operations with a leading co-manufacturer. Our margins remain strong and retention is off the charts. Parents love that we've taken the guesswork out of feeding their baby 100% daily nutrition, and we make it easy to offer the right foods to grow their little one to be an adventurous and healthy eater. So we hope you join us as we upend the $7 billion U.S. baby food industry and put nutrition science at the center of every decision and help us combat old school thinking and save lives through food allergy prevention. Well, that sounds great. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for giving us the pitch. Um, I guess the first question I have is, can you tell us the story, the origin behind Square Baby? Yeah, absolutely. So my background as a mom and a dietitian, um, you know, meant that I was, of course, like every parent really, you know, focused on, on feeding my baby the right, the right foods. But I started out as the nutritionist for Starbucks. Um, I sat originally on the regulatory affairs team, which meant I was in, um, in charge of the data, the nutrition accuracy, the claims. You really understood how, um, how products can be marketed and how, how claims can be, um, I don't know how how a baby food aisle can um, end up with, you know, a lot of misleading information. Um, and essentially, I had my first baby in 2008 and cruised the baby food aisle as, you know, as a working mom. I was super overwhelmed from a time perspective. I made a 
few meals myself, but really I knew I needed to lean on a, on a baby food company to really help me with the mainstay of, of his nutrition. And, and frankly, I was just fed up with what I found in the baby food aisle. I found that most of the meals were really fruit heavy. I thought that they were, um, you know, misleadingly marketed, like I mentioned, um, and just lacking green veggies. Um, most of the meals, all of the meals back then were all shelf stable, muted flavors. And you just kind of felt as a parent that you're either going to spend all of this time where you'd rather be snuggling your baby and you're in the kitchen with a blender, or you're going to take the, the convenience of the store-bought and really kind of feel like you didn't give them the nutrition or the flavor or the texture that they that you wanted to give them or that they really needed to grow up to be an adventurous eater. So taking that fire that started in me, um, I left Starbucks to kind of set out and find what the solution would be. Um, I really wanted to take anxiety away from mealtime and that, that moment in the aisle where you're trying to figure out, okay, I, I see like these hundreds of products. What do I give my kid in a day? How do I know that they've gotten enough veggies and protein? How do I know I'm doing this right? And pediatricians are so gosh dang busy as, yeah, as they should be with all the other topics that they're covering that really parents are finding themselves, you know, Googling things and trying to figure this out on their own, which only leads to more kind of frustration and confusion. Um, so when I sought to um, figure out what, you know, launching a baby food company meant to me, I knew it wasn't just I wanted to create the next healthiest product and freshest product on the market. I wanted to create a solution that solved for all the pain points that I felt when feeding my own baby. So um, I kind of mentioned the, the fruit heavy sugar piece of it. Um, the whole idea behind square baby and square foods is that every one of our meals is balanced. So parents can know and trust that while we have fruit and in all of our meals and in some way, um, all of our meals are going to be nutritionally balanced, follow the Academy of Pediatrics and USDA guidelines, um, and that we are never going to, you know, kind of trick a parent into thinking that they've given them their kids this balanced meal, but really we're, you know, just applesauce with a sprinkling of superfood. So um, we, following the science and taking our, our backgrounds in healthcare, both me and my co-founder, who is a, uh, has a is a uh, genetic counselor and has her whole background as an infant and, and maternal wellness. Um, we really wanted to solve for all these pain points. So we made sure that our meal system was customizable, that it, um, that it wasn't just for one type of family. So we're, we don't, we have vegan meals, but we're not only vegan. We have vegetarian and, and animal proteins, but that's not the only thing that we do. So really creating this solution for parents that's customizable, but still ladders up to 100% daily nutrition. So you mentioned how the baby food industry is oftentimes misleading customers by telling yeah. them this is really healthy food, but it has way more sugar than even Lucky Charms. You said in the pitch that it has the baby food has more sugar in it than an average bowl of Lucky Charms. How yeah. is that possible? How do these companies in the baby food industry get away with that? Yeah, I, it's hard to know exactly what the intention is behind it. Um, and if, if they're, you know, you don't want to think that anyone's trying to get away with anything. But what we know is that sugar sells, right? Um, there's, I'm, I'm sure, something about the fact that the sweetness is is addicting right it's um again fruit and and having babies you know learn to love to, the taste of various fruits and the the tartness of fruit and things as well is really important but having your baby suck a sweet you know puree out of a pouch for every meal is not helping them to understand to love veggies and bitter and earthy flavors and umami and all these different you know flavor profiles that are going to help them grow up to be an adventurous eater we also have seen with the um, in, invention of or the popularity of the pouch, um, I think that's really changed baby food as well. So I think a lot of people have seen that as innovation and a great step forward. And we've certainly seen more organic as a, as like a, um, you know, as, as a popular or a very common attribute, which is great. Um we've seen a lot of better marketing happening for better, for worse, right. With the great images and, you know, I'm seeing kale mm -hmm. and quinoa and these ingredients made me feel really, really good. But then you kind of flip it over and it's like apple, pear, apple, pear, you know, it's, it's the, yep. it's, it's the same first ingredient almost all the time. So from a food manufacturing perspective, I understand that 
some, depending on how a, a baby food company produces their meals, they might be trying to reach a certain pH. Fruit is more acidic. So if they're trying to bring their pH down, I'm, I'm telling you, our, our co-man, when we switched from the commercial kitchen to a manufacturer was like, oh, well, you could just add more apple. And I was like, nope, <laughs> we won't right. do that. Right. So um, so we know that there are reasons behind it. It's a cheaper ingredient. Right. So apples are going to be cheaper than salmon and, you know, nuts and, and, and various proteins and things. Um, but what we what we really need to be doing is, you know, instead of looking at making our decisions all based on on profit and um, the metrics in the grocery store is is really thinking about what do, what do our what's this next generation need from us? Um, because we can we can help to shape their palates really early and we can help prevent, prevent food allergies. Um, so we really should be kind of banding together to, to do the right thing. So Katie, can you take us through start to end uh, what, <laughs> how a square baby meal is made or square baby baby food is made? And then also keeping in mind what you just said, um, mm -hmm. maybe talk to us about the diff what makes square baby that much different than, um, let's say a, a regular baby food you buy at a supermarket. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you for the first three years, my co-founder Kendall and I um, made the first hundred thousand meals by hand in a commercial kitchen. So we very closely, you know, we have a very close relationship with our recipes. <laughs> we steamed <laughs> the veggies, we, you know, cooked the grains, we roasted the salmon, all the things. So um, when it came to finding the right partner that could scale with us and take our you know, homemade like food and make sure that we could now produce this at a large scale and go national and, and, you know, not grow out of our manufacturing partner. It was really important to find, um, you know, a co-manufacturing partner that was able to, you know, work with fresh and frozen ingredients and to keep the integrity of the, um, you know, of the textures and the flavors. Um, and we, we did not want to lose that freshness that our parents are coming to us for because we scaled. So that was really, really important. Um, what makes us different? Gosh, a lot of things. So, so when I say we, you know, really want to solve for every pain point, it's funny when we think about what our messaging is, even when we launched the company, there were so many key messages that we had because we weren't just solving one problem. You know, we could spend our whole, um, time just talking about allergen introduction, how we're the only company with an um, allergen introduction menu that introduces eight um, top allergens to help prevent food allergies, but also the proteins. So this is another big personal uh, rub for me, which was I will never forget my, my youngest little one. Okay, so he's now in high school. You have to know this is a really big, big thing. Um, my baby food company now has a high schooler. Um, <laughs> I remember back then trying to get protein into him because I found that so many of the baby foods seemed like it was maybe just fruits and vegetables. And I wanted him to get iron. And I knew how important this was. And I also just wanted him to get to know the taste of these savory proteins. And I felt like all I could find for him were these little beanie weenies in a jar, like floating in hot dog juice or something. It was disgusting. disgusting. It was so gross. And, you know, you have these moments as a parent where you're like, I, you could not pay me to eat this, but you try to give the like, you know, cute face and you're like, yeah. open wide, you know, you're going to love yeah. this. And you're, you know, meanwhile, you know, just that trying was my to, mom with trying to right, hold, trying to hold it together. So yeah. we're really proud that we have ingredients like our organic chicken bone broth. We've partnered with um, Butcher's Rolly Roadie Bone Broth out of the Bay Area. Their founder's been really, really supportive of us. Um, and most of the baby food companies are, are vegan, the fresh baby food companies um, that are also doing direct to consumer. Most of them are vegan only, right? And only allergen free. So we're really proud that we were able to launch with a lineup and, and find a co-manufacturing partner that um, believed in what we were doing and was uh, willing to take on these allergens because it's not something that anyone else is doing. And it was difficult to scale um, but we're really proud of, of how we've done that. So the, you know, the various proteins, the hundred percent daily nutrition, um, and allergen reduction are really our key differentiators. Uh, before I get into like a more investor type question, I did mm -hmm. want to uh, delve into something you kind of touched on a couple of times, which is just the nutrition for babies in general. Can you, mm -hmm. from a, a dietitian's background, can you explain the importance of that and, you know, maybe what is missing from, uh, 
certain baby foods right now? Yeah, great question. And I feel like I could go on and on about it. So I'll, I'll cover a couple of key things that will probably explain some of our differentiators too. I can't stress enough the importance of the early allergen introduction piece. Um, new research has come out, landmark studies, EAT, TEAT, and LEAP studies that have shown that introducing allergens as early as four to six months can help prevent food allergies by up to 80%. And food allergies have been on the rise, increasing 50% from 97 to 2011. These are, these are huge, scary statistics. If you think about what parents are most scared about, you know, is, is, will my child develop a food allergy? Because once that happens, I mean, it's your whole life. I, my, my son's best friend has severe food allergies that puts him in 911 positions. He's never been to a sleepaway camp. You know, she has to think about every meal that goes to school, et cetera. It is a, it's a very, very scary, you know, and life-threatening thing. So knowing that we have the opportunity and the science is there to prove that we as, as parents and as baby food companies can help prevent food allergies. That's just such an important window. And this early piece, it's not as though, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same if you wait until they're two or you wait until they're one, this early exposure really is, is the key and repeated exposure, right? So it's not, you just give your baby a hazelnut one time and you think you're good to go. It's, it's repeated exposure. So that's why, you know, having um, meals delivered to your doorstep and being able to offer your baby these allergens multiple times a week is so important. From uh, other nutritional things that are, you know, key to what parents are thinking about right now, obviously you're thinking about brain development, uh, so you're thinking about healthy fats um, and other, you know, key omega-3s and, and nutrients like that. And I think the other biggest fear is about your child becoming a picky eater. So especially if this is your second baby, so you've seen it go around the first time, you're like, woohoo, I was so great with baby food. And then maybe you get to toddler foods and... Now your kids like on, uh, you know, chicken nuggets and goldfish or, or whatnot. Like it's so important to start babies out early on an adventurous diet um, and to, to expose them to, you know, as many foods as possible. So one from that allergen introduction piece, right? So exposure is important, but um, research has also shown that four to seven months is a key window where they're most um likely or um, susceptible to liking new flavors. So they're a bit more adventurous, I suppose. So not worrying as much about in those early months about, you know, how, how much are they taking in, but thinking about how much variety have I given them? And that's where that, that fruit, you know, fruit heavy piece is always so hard for me because if you're just giving your kid these really fruit heavy meals, the veggies are drowned out. They, they don't really learn to like any other flavor. And then you try to transition, transition them to table foods or the things that you're eating at home. And they're like, uh-uh, you know, I want to, you know, suck applesauce out of a pouch. So I think um, nutritionally, it's not just, you know, the nu nutrients and the food allergy prevention, but it's also what we're building, the healthy habits we're building at this stage. And it can't be stressed enough you know, our relationship with food starts from the very beginning. So sitting down and eating from a spoon and sitting, you know, having a family meal and being exposed to flavors and knowing when to stop all these things as, as adults, sometimes we're trying to correct, right? But if we start these healthy habits early and they're modeled early and we're consistent with them, we can really help our kids grow up to be adventurous, healthy eaters. I never would have thought that, um, eating habits start that early in your life, but it, it does make sense when you kind of think about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to transition into maybe some more investor type questions, <laughs> which is, you know, how you're planning to grow the business and a go to market strategy. And also maybe I, I'm also interested, maybe take it from your first, when you guys were making those meals yourselves <laughs> and how you, what your first customers were then to where you guys are now and how you're planning yeah. on growing the business. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, you know, we started out in a commercial kitchen. This is a very different approach than many of our competitors, many other brands, especially out of the Bay Area. So um, we we knew that, well, one, we didn't want to launch with one or two or three SKUs, right? So if you're going to start a food business, most often they would say, you know, pick a couple and, you know, get those out on shelves or, or you know, see how those are going and then, and then pivot. And I was like, no. That's not the way we're going to do it because we are, are going after, you know, a subscription business where we, we really tell parents, hey, 
we've thought through this, we've done the research and the science, and we've developed this system that's going to take you from, you know, four to six months in your first bites and transi transition you all the way through, you know, chunkier meals. We wanted to be truly a one-stop solution. So it's not like, oh, well, I rely on Square Baby for a, these couple of snacks or, you know, these types of meals, but really that we would have enough variety that they're not, you know, kind of bored with our meals. Like, okay, we've done that. You know, you can't give your kid the same three meals or same six meals every single week. They're, they, you know, variety is really important. So we knew that starting a commercial kitchen meant that we could build a, you know, very nimble capital efficient model, right? Cause we're not, we're not buying um, anything in, in crazy amounts to start. So our, our containers, you know, we bought by the, you know, the case and then the pallet full versus like a truckload or, you know, hundreds of thousands of units. We, we bought our, um, you know, our, our fresh carrots, 50 pounds at a time, right. <laughs> Hold them in ourselves. Um, and so really we could be focused on, you know, really tweaking the recipes and, and understanding our customer and, and launching new products and things. Um, but also starting to create meaningful relationships with those we knew would be important for scale. So for example, we have always partnered with Stallbush uh, Farms in Oregon, um, even though, you know, they can send you truckloads of sweet potato or whatnot. We were buying from them, you know, the 50 pound pails of frozen, you know, sweet potato, right? Because we knew that it was important for us that we went from when we went from commercial kitchen to co-manufacturer, it wasn't like, and now everything is different, right? So it was working with Rolly Rody and Strauss Family Creamy for yogurt and, and our key suppliers and farmers um, that we knew we would want that would be kind of integral to our scaling and to, to our product integrity. Um, we made sure that those you know, relationships were, were strong and that our product really kind of was optimized um, towards those ingredients and suppliers. The same thing we did with our 3PL. So our, our frozen shipping partner is like the lifeline. Like if our, if that doesn't work or your website doesn't work as a direct to consumer company, like doesn't matter how good the nutrition, how good the product is. If you can't get a frozen meal to your parents' doorstep in, you know, on the day that they expect it and at the temperature it should be, you're done. You know, they've just spent a hundred dollars on baby food. And even if you ship them the next replacement for free, if you fail on the operations piece, you've kind of lost their trust that you care, in my opinion, about the things that are most important, which is, you know, the health and the safety pieces of it. So we were really laser focused on our customer and on the operations, which I think just it, one, I think it just shows who we are as a company. We didn't grow for growth's sake or, you know, throw crazy amounts of money towards customer acquisition and then not be thoughtful about how to take care of them or how to scale. This was very much, let's start small. Let's kind of incubate in the Bay area and then kind of grow. We grew to eight States where we were shipping as far East as Colorado. Um, but then knew that, you know, again, as, as we scaled, we needed to under, really understand those metrics, um, understand our product um, and make sure that as we, as we went national, that who, who we are, what our product looks like and tastes like, and the way we're able to take care of our customers doesn't change, right? So um, that customer experience is we truly feel like our reason for being, I wouldn't, you know, Kendall and I wouldn't be here with kids in high school so passionate about a baby food company if we didn't really feel like we were helping parents in their, you know, in their, in their day and remove, you know, their stress and anxiety. So you know, from a customer service, from, you know, being there and answering nutrition questions as a dietitian, right? They have a, you know, straight line in, into us through customer service to answer any questions, you know, related to the product and to the nutrition. And all of this is so important to us as we you know, really strive to be a true partner with our families um, and to become that, that most trusted brand. So, I heard a quote today and it reminded me of kind of what you're talking about, where they said there's two types of companies, companies that try and get the most value out of their customers and companies that try to provide mm -hmm. the most value to their customers. And you very much seem focused on the latter as they're constantly focused on trying to mm -hmm. provide as much value to the customers. Can you talk more about the subscription model? If someone were to buy a subscription, is it delivered once a week? Mm -hmm. Is it delivered every day? Um, talk about that process. And then what has the yeah. customer uh, receptiveness been so far? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, um, you know, we built our 
customizable subscription service to be just that. Like we didn't want anyone to feel tricked into a certain assortment or, you know, it, it really needed to be as as user friendly and intuitive as possible. So um, customers can come on and they can completely customize their box, but they can also use nutrition filters so they can say, oh, my baby, you know, I wanna see the vegetarian options or the meals that are highest in iron or, right, there's a bunch of different kind of nutrition need states as well that we allow for parents to filter. So it makes it really easy to choose the meals that maybe work best for them. Um, and then from there, they can pick four different subscription sizes. So we have a 14, 28, um, 42, and 56 meal boxes. And that just accounts for one, two, three, or four meals per day for two weeks. So they're delivered every two weeks. So if you don't, if you just sign up and you never touch your subscription, the same thing will keep coming every two weeks. But of course we send, you know, reminder emails before they ship. Say if you'd like to make any updates or change or skip or anything, um, you know, we send a couple of reminders because I would rather, you know, even if that reminder reminds them to skip, I would rather them have that reminder than be like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot we're going on vacation and now I've got this, you know, frozen baby food coming to my doorstep and they're furious, right? So we really go out of our way to make sure that, you know, they're in full control of their subscription, but also they get these little reminders, um, so that they can, they can manage it and, and get things when they want, but we make it easy too, like, we are often shipping to someone's vacation. We just have gone through the summer season, right? So now I'm shipping to your Tahoe house or your, you know, your hotel in LA for your vacation that you're going on. And, and so we like to walk them through that um, so that they know that they'll have the meals ready for them, you know, when they arrive. Well, the fascinating thing about that too, is we talked to Brendan and I, we were talking to a venture capitalist the other day, and he said the best companies are the companies that reduce friction. And with Square Baby, it reduces mm -hmm. a lot of the friction of having to go out, having to shop, and then having to cook the food too, mm -hmm. and then having to count and make sure that, you know, the baby's getting all the nutrition. Um, what I did want to talk about was growing and scaling Square Baby. What has that process mm -hmm. been like? Because there's a lot of logistics that you have to manage, right, in order to deliver yeah. the food, make the food. So can you walk us through that process? Yeah, and I think... I, I, you know, I have the caveat of it's been COVID for like ever, right? <laughs> Thankfully, I feel like we're a little bit out of it, but we had, you know, like every other company, and I think especially, you know, those who are relying on, um, you know, new packaging and tooling exchange parts and all these things, the, the process took longer than we hoped, but I don't think that's odd. I think that's just, you know, unfortunate <laughs> and was frustrating. Um, because we, you know, we were so used to in the commercial kitchen setting, like if I want to launch a new meal, my husband, who's our creative director, he's an advertising background. I'd be like, Oh, can you create me a label for, you know, a coconut shrimp fried rice on it? Okay. We get the labels printed. I've got the recipe. We've got, you know, we're in there and three weeks later, I've got, you know, 500 new coconut shrimp fried rice meals or whatnot. But, um, so the process was longer than we hoped, but at the same time, there's n like the importance of finding the right manufacturing partner cannot be stressed enough. I feel like everyone has a horror story. Um, and I'm insanely grateful for our partner in which we, we know the founder they're, they're tried and true and you know, baby food is what they do. There's, there's no question, frankly, that we are, we are grateful that they took us on as being, you know, one of their smallest to start. Right. So, you know, we're, we're stoked that we're meeting their MOQs, but certainly, like I think we needed more them more than we we needed them more than they needed us right in the beginning. But they also saw our not only potential for growth, but how we're leading in um, you know food allergy prevention and early allergen introduction and and the opportunity at hand. So that was amazing. Um, as I mentioned before about the partnerships, so of course you know going from a regional company and brand to a national brand sounds really crazy and daunting, but I think because we had set up the systems already and built the right team in place, logistically, it's not that, you know, it really isn't that different. We're using this three, same 3PL that we started with from day one. So we completely understand, you know, obviously the systems are all integrated, of course, but we understand their team. They understand us. Their customer service is amazing. Um, you know, we'll grow with them indefinitely. They've been a huge part of our team. 
But all we had to do to be national was to turn on their East Coast Fulfillment Center. So we knew that when we chose them, right? So, okay, if we we can hit the Western third of the U.S. if we use your West Coast Fulfillment Center. And as soon as we can produce more than 800 meals in a, in a commercial kitchen a day, <laughs> then we can start shipping meals to our East Coast Fulfillment Center. So um, being that our meals are frozen, this is not only a benefit for our, our customers and our families because they can just stock up their freezer and thaw them as they need them. They don't have to worry that the meals are going to be, you know, they're going to go bad in, you know, three days and you kind of get this anxiety of, oh my gosh, it's like when you go to Costco mm -hmm. and you bought all these vegetables and you're like, is anyone else eating vegetables? Because we have a lot, <laughs> we have a lot to eat exactly. before it goes because bad. Because the freezer is full, but we have no food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, the freezing part is great just from a, a customer experience perspective. And frankly, so many of our customers are coming to us, not from another baby food brand, but, but those that were making their own food. So they're like, I don't want anything. I needed to make this on my own. So mo most of those parents were already making their own food, putting it in ice cube trays or whatnot, and then putting those in the freezer. So the, the freeze thaw thing is a very common user experience. But for us, obviously... It allows us to, you know, create a, a larger run and not have the anxiety of, oh my gosh, now we've got, you know, 25 days to sell through this food or some short amount of time because it is a perishable food. So um, from a scaling perspective, that's really minimized our risks as well as we've kind of grown, um, grown our cons consumer base and our, our reach across the country. So I wanted to uh, go back to the pain points you talked about. Um, <laughs> A number one pain point for, unfortunately, a considerable amount of people is affordability. Um, mm -hmm. So how is uh, Square Baby looking to accommodate those customers? Yeah, and that is a consideration. Um, we hear it. We feel it. We know that not everyone can afford, you know, frozen meals to be delivered in an eco-friendly cooler box right to their doorstep. It is just a reality. Um, but something that as we grow and are able to think of other ways to, you know, to, to give back, to, to donate, et cetera. I mean, we are, that is in our hearts and, and who we are. Uh, but I'll tell you some of the things um, that we've done. So we um, have donated and partnered with uh, women's shelters. So those who are, um, you know, kind of in the greatest need, um, we really have to focus on, because we're a frozen product, we have to focus on those who can take, um, you know, a perishable product. So that's important operationally, make sure that they have a freezer so that they, you know, um, can, can take our donations. We have a, you know, ongoing military discount. Um, and, you know, we often, you know, do, do giveaways or other things where we can give back. That said, we have a, a larger mission that we have, um, we launched a few years ago, but being such a small company, we've not really had a lot of money to put towards the marketing or PR behind it. And that is called Good Feeds. So Good Feeds was born out of my, um, we'll call it frustration, an opportunity to kind of turn the influencer model on its head a little bit. And I think it's because we would have so many, I mean, we fed Peloton instructors and NFL families and you name it. I mean, we've shipped to celebrities' doorsteps and all these people who are getting free food, right? Because they're just, you know, great, awesome. Of course, I'm going to ship to you if you want to give us a try and awesome if you post about us, right? But who really needs free meals? It's not, you know, not those that can more than afford it, right? It is, right. it is you know, others. So we thought about good feeds as using your feed to feed others. So we, what we said was, hey, you know, yes, we'll ship you these, you know, these samples and, and meals for free. But if you post about us, we'll donate 10 meals to, um, at the time it was Feeding America. Now it's No Kid Hungry for every post and everybody that you tag um, will donate 10 free meals. So just saying like, hey, if we're going to be sharing this, let's make that the sharing of our of our product be something that that gives back. And then we just doubled down on this thinking about because we didn't want it to be that you had to buy our meals in order to give. That just kind of felt, I don't know. It's great to be giving, but you want to give everybody an opportunity to give, not just those who are purchasing your subscription. And so um, th that was sort of the point behind Goodfeeds is anybody can just post and tag us and hashtag Goodfeeds. And, you know, you don't have to be saying anything about Square Baby. Just just hop on board and we're excited to give. Um, we just doubled down in that every meal sold 
we will match and donate a meal to No Kid Hungry. So we just had a great call with No Kid Hungry this this week, which we were really excited about. And we'll be kind of pushing out a bigger campaign. Um, so that means, you know, you also don't have to post about us for to give, right? Because some people would rather just purchase a product and never post on social media. Totally fine. And other people might be like, hey, you know, I'm not a customer. I've got, you know, a 14 year old or maybe I can't afford your food, but I'd love to be a part of the giving. So Good Feeds is all about, you know, our platform for giving that really makes it as easy and accessible as possible to you know, be a part of the a solution to reducing hunger. Fantastic. No, that's wonderful uh, to hear <laughs> that you guys are doing that. Um I want to transition to now a little bit more about you. Uh, you meant I mentioned a couple of times and you've mentioned mother of two. What's it like <laughs> being a founder as a mother and then maybe to go along with that uh, as a female founder? Yeah, gosh. Um, well, first of all, I'm insanely grateful. I think that a lot of it's very easy to focus on how stressful it is to build your own company and to have the weight of all of that on your shoulders every day in the middle of the night, all the things I choose to look at it as I'm so insanely grateful that I have the opportunity to chase my dreams. And I, and I can't believe I've gotten to this point. So, um, gratitude number one, um, cause you know, as I mentioned, having a 14 year old means that I've, I only launched the company five years ago. So it took me many years to even get to the starting line of you know, finding the right co-founder, raising enough money, you know, the first friends and family round to, to get us started. Right. So I was, I was toting around this idea and this deck and, and, and carrying this baton for like eight years before I sold a meal. So, um, this is my heart and soul and what I honestly, you know, cliche, but feel like I am meant to be doing. Um, and I think when I think back to when I thought I would launch the company, when my, you know, baby was like, you know, two, when I had a like one and four year old, right. And I really, uh, first started, um, developing the company. Um, I look back on, on what my life was then and now, and I'm grateful for the time it, it didn't work for the time, for the amount of time it took us to launch. And that's because, I have a lot more flexibility now, right? I mean, COVID allows us all to be, you know, many of us to work from home. And that's a wonderful thing. And to, to find those flexibility moments so that you can show up for the soccer games and you can do the things that are really important. But from an age perspective, having, um, this is where as a mom, you hope to not tear up in these interview moments. Uh, as a parent, you're always trying to teach your kid to follow their dreams. You can do whatever you want. That su success doesn't look like, you know, what, what it does for one person is the same for another. And I think there's nothing cooler than showing them that, you know, here I am out on the farmer's market or doing this pitch or, you know, on the news or whatever, or just rolling up my sleeves, doing the super, you know, unsexy thing all the time as an entrepreneur, right? It's, it is not glamorous most of the time, <laughs> but they're seeing that like, if you just stay passionate, work hard, you know, keep getting back up all the things that, you can really chase your dreams. I know that sounds so silly, but I think that all comes to fruition and is, is made more evident as a parent. Um, and so that's really cool. And I have now my little field marketers. So we'll walk around the farmer's market. And um, if I don't have a booth that day, they're like wearing their t-shirt and they're like, mom, mom, should I go tell them squarebaby.com? And I'm like, yes. So <laughs> it's pretty that's cute. Awesome. They're really proud. Yeah. But they like carry their little tote bags around and have a t-shirt. And this is not my, you know, my idea, but they've also been a part of, so I mentioned that my husband's in advertising and this is the way apparently we, we show our love for each other is that he knew I was like really stressed out one night. And so he created four videos. Um, I think that took more than one night. Um, but they were allergen videos. I'll have to share them with you. Um, they're on our social feed. But it was when we were really leaning into, um, you know, talking about allergen introduction. And so he, you know, wrote the scripts, created the characters, and then had our kids come in and do voiceovers. So the little egg, Sunny the egg, is my son Nolan. It's the cutest thing. And then I think it's the the hazelnut is my son Jackson, who's fourteen. Nailed it. I mean, first of all, came in to the office because Kevin just, you know, pulled him in and said, Hey, do you have, you know, 30 seconds? It was in the evening. They were probably watching a show or something comes in, does the voice recording in our office. And, 
And then Kevin unveils to me these four videos. And now I, you know, I have my, my kids as little characters. So there's a lot of things that are really special about it. Um, but I think in general, it's just proving to your kids that they should just go out and create the life they want for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I always find it interesting because there's a quote among the entrepreneurial community that says, you know, it's a 20 year overnight success as in you work for 20 years and then boom, it's a success and everyone sees the success, but they didn't see the amount of times you're yeah. running around the farmer's markets, the amount of times you were pitching people and you got rejected and getting knocked down and getting mm -hmm. back up. For those that are struggling to chase their, or those that are trying to chase their entrepreneurial dreams, what's a piece of practical advice that you can give them that they can have in the back of their head to think about and reflect whenever times are getting tough in order yeah. to kind of persevere and keep going. Totally. I think there's a few things. One, I think you need to know that you need to be passionate enough about what you're doing, what you're solving, the product, the service, whatever it is, because, you know, you, ha you, you have to know why and what you're you're giving so much of your life up for right because you're, you're not guaranteed a salary anything i mean i have hardly paid we started paying ourselves but really it's you know it's really a 15 years of me giving up a pretty cush you know salary and benefits um in a typical work environment but so really knowing what your product is and, and to be passionate about it i think any entrepreneur needs to start with what they're solving versus i want to launch a product you know it's that's you can't come up with a product second. You can't just want to do this because you want to create some business or be a CEO or, or whatever it is, because um, it's that fire that's going to keep you going. Um, I always say this and I feel like it sounds so simple, but I've, I have learned and I, I, I feel like I continue to remind myself to just trust your gut. I mean, there's so many times where the, you know, my, my gut's so strong about some, maybe it's something risky or something unconventional, or maybe it's a, you know, a, a partnership or something that, you know, you know, you should probably kind of get further down the road and you should say no to it. And you kind of knew, you know, back then maybe what this wasn't the right, anyway, trusting your gut, I think is, is the most important thing that you can do because there's always going to be people with their opinions. But um, anyway, I think the gut is, is a very strong um, intuitive thing to not uh, ignore. I think the other thing is surrounding yourself with smarter people than you <laughs> and people who think differently, ask different questions. And Kendall and I finding the right co-founder is, you know, beyond essential. I wouldn't be here. I would be an idea in a deck if it weren't for her, but, you know, beyond that, the amount that we lean on each other, personally, professionally, through this crazy roller coaster, it's like a marriage, right? And um, so for that, find, you know, find the right co-founder or partners in general, who's going to be a part of your small circle. You want to find people that you really, really trust with everything, but also people who push you. So I'm inspired every day by Kendall. Um, she is one of the hardest working people who makes everything look easy. <laughs> um, so for that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, try to keep up. Um, but also she thinks of things differently. She's much more analytical than I am. I'm much more like idea, da, 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 you know, kind of creator, designer, builder, uh, dreamer, all those things. I'm, I'm ready to like jump off the cliff. And she's like, oh, let's put all your parachutes on and, and make sure you're super prepared. Right. <laughs> so we're a really good match because I, I'm on one end of the spectrum and she's really on the other, but together we make all the right decisions together and we push each other to think of we ask a lot of questions and you know, we go back and forth a lot, but we always end in the same place together. But if it weren't for her, you know, and, and similarly with my husband's really creative push, I mean, sometimes he's pushing me beyond the bounds of comfort from a brand perspective, but I need that. And I, I lean on that from him, right? I don't, I don't want to stay safe all the time. I need someone to push me in that way too. So um, I think the, you know, those early partnerships, whether it's co-founders or just your team and your inner circle is really, really important. Now, if there's one thing that I, uh, 
I have learned from listening to other entrepreneurs answer that question. It's mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of the best entrepreneurs have the same experiences and the same qualities. Mm -hmm. And I think from a lesser degree, uh, for me and Connor, you talk about being on two different sides of the spectrum. We talk about that all the time, that mm -hmm. our creative ideas are very different. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that what you said is going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, I got two final closing questions for you. Okay. Um, I wanted to make sure I asked you this one, which is obviously you guys are on WeFunder. The link is in the description. Um, go right. check it out, Square Baby, for everything we may have not been able to cover in this interview. Um, what is that money going to be used for and why should somebody invest? Yeah, absolutely. So we really spent the last year scaling operations. So I kind of mentioned, talked about going to the co-manufacturer. We've also developed new custom packaging that's landed. Um, we've worked alongside our Comian with that packaging to have new custom tooling. So all of that's done, right? We've really built the ship. We tested the ship with the first year, three years in mar market, really understanding our, our customer metrics and, and unit economics, um, our you know, LTV to CAC ratio, all of that kind of stuff. So this, this what's kind of exciting about this raise is it's about fueling the fire now. So it's not, we've really reduced the the red hot risks of a startup, right? Of like, oh my gosh, are people going to want to buy this? And are people going to come back? And it, is it differentiated? And, and all of the things that, you know, proving the concept that phase is really important. Um, and now we just get to go fuel this engine of, you know, customer acquisition, um, brand awareness, and, and really striving to be, you know, the number one and most trusted brand um, in, in infant and childhood nutrition. Um, so that's really exciting. I, and when I think about, you know, the future, um, while this raise is very focused on, um, on our, you know, infant nutrition and our direct to consumer platform, because that, um, you know, the operations and stuff are all, all set and, and, you know, very, very efficient. Um, we see the opportunity to grow into Square Foods. So the name of our company is actually Square Foods. And you'll notice about our brand, there's nothing that feels baby or infant or kid. Our brand is very much about, you know, nutrition and simplicity and, you know, being a solution, um, being science-based, being, you know, delicious and fresh and all the things, but, um, but really just kind of geared towards, you know, the individual or, or the parent. Um, so we really see an opportunity in the future to grow into Square Foods and take that customer that has, you know, trusted us with the most important nutrition decisions and feeding their infant um, and grow with that customer. So beyond baby food and, in, you know, into toddler and, and meals that are appropriate for the family, because um, we've really built this, you know, family of Square baby families, right? We have, um, you know, babies that are or families that are coming back with their second and third babies, which is so fun to see and to hear from parents who have said, oh, my gosh, thank you. You know, my my baby, my toddler now is such an adventurous eater. And I think it's because of Square Baby. And that's the stuff that keeps you going. Right. But we also understand from a business perspective, our biggest opportunity is to grow with our customer because they they love us. They trust us. Our retention's high at nearing 80 percent you know, the number one reason they're leaving is because their baby age is out. So what a fun, cool opportunity for us to just keep innovating um, with with various square square meals and square snacks that kind of, you know, meet parents' needs. That's fantastic. That's a great vision. And I guess you kind of 50% answered my final question, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is, you know, when you're sitting down at night, you know, maybe having a glass of wine or just hanging out with your kids and your family. And, um, you know, what is it that you want Square Baby to become? And what is it? What What's that future vision that drives you? Yeah. Um, I, I, I keep coming back to the word trust. Um, and that's because, you know, we, we have put so much thought at every you know, juncture, every, every decision point is all about creating a company, creating a product, a brand, a service, you know, um, a tone, all of these things about being a trusted resource for a family, right? So knowing that we're based in nutrition science, knowing that, you know, we'll always be veggie forward. We're always going to be organic. We're all, you know, Dut, 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 dut. Trust you don't don't even have to flip over the package. Know that you know we're already half the sugar of most pouches because we have balanced nutrition, 
easy. So being trusted is, is really important. I think that as, as we grow, um, that how we become a resource to families will just continue to grow. So I, I'm very excited about not only the, the various product lines, um, that we have in the pipeline, but also um, the other ways in which we can reach our customers. So right now we're only available at squarebaby.com. It's a was such an incredible way to start the company because we, you know, own that customer relationship. We have a one-on-one, you know, uh, in with our customers via, via email and all these things, right? We have all that data, which is really important and helpful to understand our customer. But being able to be available on other platforms in retail, et cetera, to really grow our brand to be more accessible um, from a trial perspective and aware awareness perspective, um, but hopefully also have a line of, of products that meets more of you know every household's um, budget too. So as we talked about, you know, right now we're premiumly priced. Um, you know, baby food delivered to your doorstep in a compostable cooler box, right? Um, um, but we see the opportunity as well to grow um, and have additional products that, you know, are, are, are more on the affordable end. Well, Katie, I uh, really enjoyed learning about the company. I am about as unqualified to talk about baby food as anybody, <laughs> but I really enjoyed hearing your guys' story and learning about it. And, uh, you know, maybe when it's uh, Square Foods and you guys are in that part of your journey that uh, we can, uh, when you expand to other foods, you, we can have you back on and uh, and we'll hear more about, you know, the next next stage of the company. You got it. Well, I have to tell you, even though it's baby food, our Beetberry makes a delicious smoothie. My 11-year-old chugs it. And we uh -huh. have catered, I'm not kidding you, we have catered adult events, not a, not a baby or a child in sight, by putting like our mango coconut chicken over quinoa. And people have no idea it's baby food. So don't, don't, you know, don't count yourself okay. out. All right. All right. <laughs> well, maybe then I'll check it out for myself. Who knows? Yeah. You just I'm think about it as a dip Some... or a snack or... Yeah. Some of it looks Make really, it really good, even for me. <laughs> I was, it I was like, good. excited. It looks pretty appetizing for baby food, I have to say. Well, here's the deal. If if it's not something that you want to eat as an adult, like literally when Kendall and I create every recipe, if we don't want to gobble the entire thing down or put it over, you know, a piece of pork or something, it is not it's not good enough. Like we can't just think that, oh well, a baby's gonna eat it, because that's not the point. Yeah. It needs to be it needs to be delicious. But yes, it is. Thanks for noticing. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, um, Katie, again, thank you for your time. I really enjoyed nice. it. And uh, I'm sure Connor did as well. Thanks for coming um, on, Katie. This was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank and, you. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we will, uh, for all the listeners out there, uh, we will see you next time on the Next Big Thing podcast. Check out Square Baby and the link is in the description. So long. Bye-bye. <laughs>